Welcome to Blooming Out on Community Radio, WFHB. Blooming Out is a forum by and for the LGBTQ plus community. Each week we explore the issues, events pertaining to the LGBT community in Indiana, the U.S., and internationally. We speak with guests about human rights, coming out, the legality of being gay, and much more. Blooming Out is a multiple award-winning program here on Community Radio, WFHB. Thanks for listening to Blooming Out. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Blooming Out. I'm Frankie Preslav. I'm Melanie Davis. I'm Grant Rollins. Hello, everyone. How's our week going, Melanie? I don't even know where the week went to. Well, it's here, so... It is. Yeah. And I'm excited for the weekend. Anything... Yeah, the weekend, why? Well, Pride. Oh, Pride. Oh, Pride. Okay, yeah, I didn't even know about that. (laughs) Um, So that's cool. Are you going to be coming to the booth and helping us? I I will be stopping by, but I'm also tabling at another booth. You're tabling what? For task. The trans allies and support community. Where are you? We're going to be up by uh, Walnut Uh on Kirkwood. Okay, cool. So we'll come back. Are you going to have candy and stuff? We uh, apparently <laughs> we're going to be having dum dums okay. and uh, yeah, selling dum-dums. some selling some merch and okay. all that. Well, good. I don't know if we'll have candy, so I might come over and steal some of your candy. How about you, Mr. Grant? Um, preparing to move to South Carolina. Uh, yeah, this this thing has been going on. I know. Ever, <laughs> it's just, I just keep talking and about ever, it. And but ever. Fi- I'm finally moving. He's like, been Monday. Like that's me driving down. All my stuff's already in South Carolina. Everything is is happening. Yep. And then you go on to like you're gonna travel, right, or go hiking? Yeah, I'm going to Yosemite and gonna go to San Fran and then trying to go to L. A. as well and try to. Make my break before real adult life yeah. lasts as long as So it have can. you put out any feeds for jobs? Nope. No, no, that's that's still <laughs> yeah, that's our grant. I can hear Ke- or I can see Kevin rolling his eyes from here. <laughs> <laughs> going through on that. Yeah, and everything on my end is, is pretty good. I had like a hectic I was picking up my kids uh, north and I was um on a Kinzer Pike there. Mm-hmm. And um, where they're doing all the new construction again. Hello, Bloomington. <laughs> and um, they don't have any signs marking that the merges into one. So mm-hmm. I have my little bus of a car, which little. is a bus. <laughs> and um, I, I was stuck and I needed to get over because I had to go home. And I had my kids, they were hungry. And none of the traffic would let me merge. And I was like, so I kind of politely bumped my way in, didn't <laughs> touch anybody. And oh my gosh. Oh, my gosh. So <laughs> from, from there to the mall, I had, like, an angry person chasing me down, <laughs> rolled down his window, and basically told me that I wasn't a good driver um, in so many words. Um, <laughs> there were some bleeps in there. <laughs> but, yeah, that was my, my typical Thursday. People that know me, I'm kind of like Mr. Magoo. I just <laughs> go on there. So um, it looks like we all survived another week. Uh, we have so much to discuss. Our guest tonight is Detective Sergeant Dana Cole and Patrol Sergeant David Alley. Ali from Bloomington Police Department to talk about relationships with the LGBT community. Also, we have Father Charlie Depro, the rector of the Trinity Episcopal Church. I'm, I hope I got that right. Um, here in Bloomington, um, who's a member of the LGBT community and will be part of our discussion tonight. Father Charlie will also be joining us later on in the show and will talk about his own journey with the church as a gay clergy. 
I think it's D- Dupree, right? Yeah, Dupree. It's Dupree. Dupree. Sorry, Dupree. I was like, I, you're, you're not part of the club unless I mispronounce your last name. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was an honor. <laughs> there you are. On Booming Out tonight, we are exploring why protesters across the U.S. over the past two years tried to prevent, disrupt, or minimize the presence of police officers at Pride, even though the officers impacted are typically members of the LGBTQ police groups. Nonetheless, protesters say they're doing so to take a stand against police brutality and harassment of marginalized groups, namely people of color and the transgender community. Our question to our panelists tonight is how do we as a community begin the processes to build bridges between the police and the LGBTQ community? Blooming Out invited members of the Bloomington Police Board to be part of this discussion tonight. Pride. Pride. Sorry, Bloomington Pride. I said police force. <laughs> Bloomington Pride declined starting or stating they have scheduling conflicts. Blooming Out requested a written statement, but we have not received a written statement yet. Our hope is to have the Bloomington Pride board members on to talk about this important topic. The Bloomington Out crew would like to begin by thanking the Bloomington Police Department for participating in an important discussion tonight and Father Charlie for sharing his life and experiences. We truly appreciate everyone for being with us tonight. So um, before we begin, I want to get everybody's um, kind of bio. So I'll start with um, the gentleman over to in front of me, and uh, that's Dana. Um, so Dana, tell us a little bit about you and what your position is. Well, I'm currently a uh, detective sergeant. Uh, been with the Bloomington Police Department starting my 15th year. Um, I'm originally from South Bend. Uh, and uh, moved down here for the job. Um, love the community. Love uh, just the uh, college age kids. Always keeping it interesting and fun. Um, but uh, through my course here at the Bloomington Police Department, I've held just about every patrol level positions from a motorcycle officer, canine officer, uh, field training officer, um, and then moved into the supervisor ranks and have been a patrol sergeant as well as a detective sergeant so currently uh, I get the uh, joy of uh, supervising the uh, detectives that are assigned to the day shift. Great well thank you and David? Yeah um, I'm originally from Tennessee I grew up there moved away when I was about 20 years old joined the Navy Uh, left the Navy in 2008 and came here to Bloomington Uh, joined the police force the year after I've been with BPD for almost 10 years now Um, Started out in patrol and became a field training officer and then uh, probably did that for about two or three years and then uh, got promoted to sergeant. Um, Currently I work on afternoon shift. Um, uh, Married to my husband Nathan. Uh, We got married in May of last year. Um, So that's been exciting and both stay pretty busy um, with the military. We're both Dual Navy. He's uh, he's an officer in the military, and then I'm enlisted uh, in the Navy Reserve. So um, we're going to be moving uh, in May or June of next year, hopefully to San Diego. So. Great. Well, that's uh, some big uh, life changes there, huh? Yeah. Great. Father Charlie, if you just tell us, you know, just say hi and stuff, we're going to talk more about uh, kind of your position um, in, with the church and the community a little later. Right. But I want everybody to be familiar with your voice uh, so when we start the conversation, they'll know it's Father Charlie. Sure, I'm Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll hear from more from me later. Right. right. Well, hopefully we'll during this conversation. Yeah, I'll chime in. <laughs> so um, we invited the Bloomington Police Department here today to kind of discuss about you know, just community relationships. 
um, around the nation as we were reading that there's um, definitely a um, division going on in some of the community with the LGBTQ community and, and the police. Um, and some communities, there are the police are basically being uninvited to attend um, the pride events, including parades, um, uh, booths. Uh, they basically are saying we prefer not to have the, the police present because um, w people feel that uh, it's more of a disturbance and people are uncomfortable and and some are quoting it saying they don't feel safe. Um, I think Bloomington, you know, and, and I'm giving my opinion. So, you know, I think, you know, people that I have invited to be participate in this, I would have loved to hear their side of the story as well. So during our discussion, these are my opinions and, 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 and the host opinions as far as, uh, you know, our, our commentary on this. But I have talked to lots of people in the community, so I think I have some, some, some good basis for, you know, part of this discussion. But uh, um, it's, there's a, basically Bloomington Police Department um, is not going to participate um, in a, I guess in a, an official capacity. An official capacity. Um, and there's been discussions going on um, with uh, the department and uh, Bloomington Pride with trying to develop a relationship. And it seems like it's just kind of got stagnant in some ways. Um, and, um, I, you know, I'm all about, and I think a lot of us here today are about building bridges. So the discussion isn't hopefully going to be focused on them against us. It's, you know, maybe some of the history of, of how we got to this point and, and how do we build the bridges um, from this point on. So, um, Melanie? In the past couple of years, several LGBTQ organizations sponsoring Pride have disinvited local police from participation in these events, and independent protest groups have demonstrated against the marching of officers in a few parades. They cite still pervasive and unaddressed abuses by police as a primary reason and oppose the queer community's collaboration with the oppressive systems. Bloomington has been a part of this trend. Police are present, just as anyone can come, but they are not tabling. To be sure, the experiences of LGBTQ folk for generations and today seem to, be, seem to support the anger, fear, and mistrust of law enforcement and the justice, justice system in general. In a 2013 survey, 48% of LGBTQ victims of violence who sought help reported further abuse from responding officers. They act, uh, they act majorly from the LGBTQ community of color. There is a general sense that involving police will worsen a situation, and many crimes such as domestic violence go unreported. There's also the perception that the offending officers will not be held accountable for any abuses as has been seen in high-profile coverage. What of the people straddling this divide? LGBTQ officers, what is their experience? Since the early 1980s, organizations like Goal, Gay Officers Action League, uh, have worked supporting queer officers, often from the homophobia extent, in their own ranks. In recent years, LGBT liaison programs have sprung up in many municipalities to try to address the concerns of this demographic. How does the poor reputation impact the efficacy of the liaisons? What concrete steps can be taken to regain trust? So, you know, there's this loaded <laughs> in, a, in a lot of ways. Um, and, and I guess what, you know, I'm not looking for, you know, your, uh, your opinion as far as a national, but, you know, you know focusing down on, on our community as um, far as your take and um, where do you see, 
you know, I, I guess where where the bridge can can begin, where can we start this, and where the division is. Um, and it sounds like there's a lot of confusion on maybe maybe the the police side not quite understanding where the division is. Um, you know, I, I I haven't really got a lot of information from people, at least the ones that I've spoken to, about specifics of you know violence that the police have done, or just people just being uncomfortable. So kind of throwing this back at uh, both Dana and David, uh, you know, give your thoughts and uh, ideas on this. Yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. I definitely agree with you with, with specifics. Um, um, the last meeting we had uh, with some members of, of the Pride Board, we, they voiced concerns with, with some, some issues with the police department and um, some things that may or may not have happened uh, with regards to officers taking action or not taking action when needed. And, and we did ask for some specific instances of you know, what those complaints were and the types of things that happened that way we could maybe look into it a little further, find out what those cases were and whatnot. And we never never received any of those specific instances back. Um, I know personally, um, I don't know about Dana, but I have not received any complaints from any citizen. Uh, and they have our direct contact information. Um, I don't know if that's maybe a fear of reaching out, which, you know, if the, if the stigma's there, which I could, I could, I could understand, um, but we're trying to make sure that folks know in our community, because we're part of it too, that they can reach out to us and, and come to us with any issues that may have happened within the police department. And if they want to be confidential about it, they can, and, but we will definitely look into it. And, you know, and, and both of you are LGBTQ members. I mean, this is, yeah. you know, we have an interesting force in the sense of, um, you know, I think nationally in, in the state, and, you know, there's 12 percent, um, you know, are LGBTQ within the department, which mm -hmm. is, I think, unusually high. Um, so the, you know, it's not like it's um, a department that doesn't have, you know, a, a rainbow <laughs> coalition right there. So um, I guess uh, on your stance of just being gay men and wanting to, you know, reach out to your community um, and then because you wear a badge um, that do you feel that, you know, you're, you're rejected from, from that, that you're not, you know, part of it, that... Uh, um, you know, the, I, I'm sure there would be some frustration and maybe some sadness. I mean, you know, just, uh, well, I think, I mean, speaking for David and myself, I mean, as part of the community, we, we, when we're off duty, we're also going out and attending events and, um, we've got a lot of friends in the community. And so, you know, I think, um, it, it's kind of hurtful for me because, you know, looking back when um, I kind of pitched the idea for the liaison program within the department, knowing that we didn't have one, we had a, a, a large percentage of officers that were um, part of the LGBT community, um, I, you know, thought that this was an important step to start um, the conversation because um, I think there's a lot of conversations that need to be had. There's a lot of um, issues and barriers that need to be broken. Um, and so, um, I, but it's, it's a two-way street. I mean, we can only do so much without having, you know, some assistance from the other side. Um, and I think that's, you know, what we're ultimately working for right now. Um, you know, we talk about issues across the nation. Uh, that occur to members of the LGBT community and I think we look at those issues and we use those as training opportunities 
um, because what part of what we do in, in the department is um, train the officers um, um, how to interact with people um, in the LGBT community um, because there's um, a lot of uh, ignorance, um, not saying that the officers are trying to do harm or anything. They just don't know when they're confronted with that situation of how to act. So um, one, by having officers that are LGBT in the, in the department, they're exposed to those officers on a daily basis. And then also using training opportunities to provide them with information. I think uh, we're, we're moving the department forward. Um, now, unfortunately, we can't, you know, we have our little piece of the pie here in Bloomington, but, you know, even in the county, other counties, the state of Indiana, you know, there's there's a lot of issues that need to be addressed. Right. So I guess what, um, you know, when, I, when I've been asking, you know, what for specifics, again, of why you guys can't be, why the police department isn't allowed, you know, I guess even to have a booth at this point. Um, and what are you getting as far as locally, I guess, on that side? Well, the reason, I mean, we were told that, you know, Bloomington Pride um, is was formed as a police resistance and that they that's what they're following. Um, Bloomington Pride or Pride? And Pride overall, but Bloomington Pride is, that's still um, part of their, um, I guess, mission um, because, you know, they have told us that they want to have the Pride Festival as a safe and inclusive space and by having the badge there, they have members that don't feel safe. Um, so, you know, those are kind of the issues that we want to address as a department and figure out how we can uh, move forward with those. Right. So as we um, actually, we're going to take a music break because we're at the uh, 618. And uh, as soon as we uh, play our music, we're going to be right back and we'll follow up with more questions.
Welcome back to Blooming Out. You've been listening to Geyser by Mitski. Let's pick up from where we left off, Melanie. So what are your hopes for the liaison program here in Bloomington? Um, I mean, obviously, like, like Frankie was talking about, uh, building bridges. Um, the, I think the biggest hope for me is to, to just make sure that, that the members of the LGBTQ community know that they have allies at the police department. And it, it's not just Dana and I. Um, we work alongside some of probably the best officers in, in the country. Um, and, you know, we personally have a lot of allies there. And we, we want the community to know and understand that they can come to, the, to, to BPD when they have an issue, when there's a problem, if it's domestic violence, uh, if, it's, if it's, you know, a trans, transgender person that's, that's been battered because they're transgender or worse. Um, I just want, want the community to understand that we are there. Uh, there's a lot of people there that care about this community. And, um, you know, the LGBTQ community is part of the Bloomington community, and we're all, we're all one big happy town. Right. So. And I think that that's something that um, Bloomington can, can kind of set the bar in, that we are a, a community. And we're not perfect, you know. There's, we definitely have things that we need to work on. But this is an opportunity, again, you know, I'm playing on, on, on the building bridges, but to be kind of the catalyst for the, the nation where we have this town that, you know, pride started as, you know, that we don't want the police there. There's, there's you know, instead of, we get it. I understand, you know, I'm not taking that away. But at the same time, this is an opportunity to change. And I think what, and I, I say this a lot, that, you know, there's a lot of talking, but not a lot of listening that goes on. There's a lot of emotions, but nothing is out there that people are, are allowed to, you know, they, they feel, but then, then it's just, it's lost. And, and to be angry to be angry isn't going to solve any problem. And it's not taking away from Bloomington Pride's perspective of what they feel. But I think, you know, within any relationship, y- y- people have to come to the table and be able to listen and you know and so um dana you had some points that you wanted to kind of bring out well you know i I agree with david i mean my my thoughts and um hopes are that um that we can continue to uh kind of heal what's happened over the past 50 60 plus years um that um you know we can be uh, part of um the community um and i think you know being involved with such thing as Pride Fest um, and just simply having a booth there where we can um, have a designated space that we can interact with members of the community. But also for me, you know, part of what I want Bloomington PD is to continue to have officers that are LGBT. And, you know, part of that recruitment process is being, you know, exposed to, you know, festivals and um, places where there are individuals um, like Dave and myself, and you know, so so the the recruitment um, part is huge for me. You know, we you had me on the radio mm-hmm. uh, last year, and you know, um, I had told you at that point that I've talked with several uh, transgender individuals that are interested in becoming a police officer, and you know, we're still working towards. You know, I think it would be awesome if Bloomington PD um, is is the first agency in the state to have a g- transgender officer, and so you know, I'm going to continue working towards that that goal. Um, you know, I just. I just want um, the department um, and the community to, to be one and, and not to have this divide. And like you said, if it doesn't happen here in Bloomington, where else in Indiana is that going to happen? 
So w- what, you know, as, as your feelings are as far as, you know, being officers of what, how, how do you see, I guess, the changing, the change start? I know that there's been talk, you know, you go out and you do community stuff and you get out there and I think that there's some, you know, I've, I've heard on the other side that there's not enough of that. I don't know what more or what you can do other than, I mean, for what the police, hiring so many LGBT people on force, I think, kind of sets a precedence in its own way way of saying, hey, we are an all-inclusive um, you know, agency and we um, accept everybody. Um, you know, and I think for me as a, a gay dad, a, a, you know, a husband, um, a father of eight kids and, you know, um, and, and that I think it's so important to have a relationship with the police department um, for so many reasons, and especially being a gay man. And, you know, in parts of this of the nation, it isn't always the best um, relationship. Or you don't necessarily feel safe. And, again, I think this is one of those opportunities that we can start um, working towards that and, and bringing people together to have you know, just to find the common, but I guess the frustration that I'm seeing as just Joe Citizen is that trying to get the two together um, and, and making that happen and getting people in the community, because a lot of people are willing to talk privately or off mic or away, mm-hmm. but, you know, I think it's important, and, and, you know, not to say that there's an agenda that people are trying to push, but it doesn't look good. And And this is the same conversation I would have with my children about having, you know, with with anybody that you know you don't agree with by you know working it out and talking by just being angry you know I, there's a, a a thing i always tell my kids is you know how do you how do you kill a witch and it's with kindness mm-hmm. right so giving that opportunity because when you have that opportunity to be around somebody that you might already prejudge or that they seem really scary and i know to a lot of people because they have different experiences with police that it's not always a comfortable and, and they might have a story or um, but again this is one of those opportunities and I think Melanie that you know you being you know transgender individual um, and your experiences around the country and in different cities within the state have been interesting <laughs> um, but you yeah. know I mean just speaking on that level well um, you know I, I went out on the genetic lottery and and I'm, I'm white so I haven't had that uh, to uh, add to the transgender part. Uh, but I have a lot of friends, and over the years, there's been a lot of uh, interaction in, in the various places I've been with police, and I think it's not necessarily the, the individual police officers. You know? um, and you know, frankly, they might not know that there is such a high percentage of officer uh lgbt officers on the the group they might not know about the programs and things because people have varying levels of participation in in community events um it maybe is something uh to bolster a, a public image getting out there putting yourselves out there but also in the the justice the area of accountability that people have such deep disconnects with law enforcement over and and the justice system in general. Um, They're not seeing movement in those areas. And, uh, you know, the the liaison part is fantastic. And and I've not had any uh, interactions, and I've had a few interactions uh, with police officers in town. 
but I've not had uh, negative ones uh, here. Uh, that that means a lot to me. But again, you know, I'm coming as a white trans woman into this, not uh, as a African American, not as a, a, a Latinx, uh, whoever else might be interacting and have a deep history, a family history, a cultural history of uh, police antagonism. And therefore, they're coming at each interaction uh, with skepticism is a, a very light word. Uh, they expect to have problems. So how would you answer that as officers? I think, uh, I mean, again, a lot of times well, the feedback we get is, national level stuff right. uh, things that have happened in chicago uh california and you know again those are things that i don't have control over i have control over the bloomington police department we are both supervisors in the bloomington police department um, and we take pride in making sure that our officers do the right thing and i think part of that is i mean you look at these issues that have occurred across the nations i think there's a lack of training for officers um a lack of supervision um and a lack of diversity in, in a lot of departments. Um, and so... So there's a citizen task force that um, isn't that we have in Bloomington of individuals that are just citizens that give feedback to the officers. Is that correct? Well, we, we are governed by, by the Board of Public Safety, which okay. are civilians that the uh, mayor of Bloomington appoints uh, term limits to that, to that board. Um, and they ultimately oversee um, the, the police department and they have monthly meetings and the chief goes every month and they talk about issues within the department and the community, good, bad. Right. You know. So do you get feedback from, from that? I don't, I don't really know the last time we got feedback as far as, as, far as the public goes. Um, those meetings, there, there is an, a public meeting associated with the, the Board of Public Safety that you know, the public can go to. Um, there's also a closed meeting, but that's just for mostly administrative business, mm -hmm. you know, promotions and stuff like that. So, so would that be an opportunity for people to go and, oh, absolutely. and, and voice their concerns and, absolutely. and start the dialogue? I mean, that would be, do you know when those? When uh, I believe they're the Board of Public Safety are uh, the third Tuesday of every month yep. at 5.30, okay. I believe. So I would encourage people that, you know, have questions or concerns that we are, our community set up to, for that, mm -hmm. to, to listen and, and to get that feedback. Um, you know, and that's, I'm, I'm hoping from have inviting you to, to participate today is to, to get those conversations moving. I think, again, I'm, I'm passionate about the thought of our community really setting the bar in so many ways. And if, if there's stuff out there that is on, you know, uh, not so much national, but is right here in our little Mayberry Bloomington that's not perfect and we need to fix it and we need that conversation to start, then then let's do it and, and, and show up at these meetings or you know, it's it's it, it's I, it, we want a safe city and we want a city where people can feel free to, to be who they are. And I think we're, we're we're there in so many ways, but obviously not everybody in the community feels the same way. So we're kind of out of time. We could go on for another you know, hour on this. Um, I do appreciate Dana and David for coming in and and, and talking um, to us. And I appreciate the police force uh, 
um, the, mm -hmm. the chief <laughs> agreeing to, to, uh, to let you guys come on. Um, and, and it is about building bridges. So I, I really appreciate you guys uh, being here and hopefully we'll continue this conversation and we can have other people um, in involved in this conversation. But for now, we're going to take a music break and um, check into our community calendar with uh, Lucas. My God, I'm so lonely, so I open the window to hear sounds of people, to hear sounds of people. Venus, planet of love, was destroyed by global You were just listening to Nobody by Mitski off of the her new album, Be the Cowboy. Um, taking a look over at the community calendar for this weekend. Uh, let's see, we, on Friday we have, looks like the LGBT Aging and Caring Network quarterly meeting will be at Noodles and Company restaurant, and that's on 2560 East 3rd Street, Bloomington. Um, so that's the... I think it's bi-weekly, um, 
the LGBT Aging and Caring Network quarterly meeting. Um, and then also on Friday at 6.30 is the TEDx Bloomington at Buskirk Chumley Theater on 114 East Kirkwood Avenue. That starts at 6.30. Um, there are probably still tickets available. Um, check their website uh, at www.tedxbloomington.com. And then on Saturday, we have Bloomington Pride Fest, and that's on East Kirkwood Avenue. Um, WFHB is proud to be a media sponsor for Bloomington Pride Fest on August 25th in downtown Bloomington. Um, details on Facebook and at bloomingtonpride.org slash pridefest. All right, we're going to throw it back over to Blooming Out. Thank you, Lucas. Well, we have with us tonight Father D- Charlie Dupree. He was born and raised on a farm in eastern North Carolina and previously served churches in North Carolina and Woodstock, New York. For the past 10 years, he's been the rector of Trinity Episcopal Church in Bloomington. As a gay married man, he is dedicated to, shape, to shaping of a church that is affirming, welcoming, and reflective of a God who loves and embraces all people. Charlie is an active artist, musician, and the author of Practicing Imperfection, A Priest's Journey Through Meditation, Ministry, and Messing Up. Welcome, Father. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, we are um, really uh, happy to have you. Um, and uh, I guess how, you've been in Bloomington for how long? Ten years. Ten years? Yeah. So um, I guess we're having a little mic issue. I'm going to go ahead and switch to this one here. All right. Ready? And, yes, I've been here ten years. Is this microphone better? Yeah, Is I it working? So. Everybody can hear it. Yes, cool. we're good. So you've been here 10 years, right. and um, I don't know, just tell us a little bit about yourself. I know we, we kind of, you know, let off with a, a, you know, a farm boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is weird, isn't it? Um, uh, yeah, I grew up in North Carolina on a, on a tobacco farm. Uh, my father was a farmer all of his life, and um, I started out as a musician and an artist, and I thought that's what I was going to be, kind of a fun, you know, very... Uh, um, uh, kind of artsy, artsy guy. But then I got uh, more deeply involved in the church, the Episcopal Church. I've always been an Episcopalian, and I felt called uh, to direct my creativity in a different direction. And uh, so, yeah, I, I pursued ordained ministry, and there's a, a huge long journey associated with yeah. that, which I won't bore you with no, right I now. No, I want to be bored. Okay, so great. as far <laughs> well, I, I, coming out, I mean, you know, when you did, yeah. um, and I don't know when you came out. Maybe you came out yesterday. Well, it was a process. Um, <laughs> it was a process that ended up in, I, I would say I was officially out when uh, our wedding announcement was in the New York Times. Oh, well, okay. I kind of didn't think through that through. <laughs> <laughs> so did your parents, did, were they? Uh, yeah, okay. by that time, everybody was mostly on board. Uh, but but there were a couple of older people who I really, really loved that I just, I kind of didn't want to take them down that road. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I was, when I saw that announcement in the New York Times, I was like, ew, I can't really take this back now. Right. Um, but anyway, it was it was fun. So I would say that was the official thing. And then uh, Matthew, who, who was my husband, um, he and I were married three years into our our time here in Bloomington. So we got married up in Woodstock because at the time it wasn't legal here, right? right? Right. So, and we had an association with Woodstock because I worked there. Uh, But then um, we came back here and had the blessing of the marriage by my bishop at Trinity Church with my uh, church community. So that was kind of the churchy part. So, uh, you know, as a, a, a gay clergy, did, have you hit barriers um, on your journey 
or have you been, I, I guess, lucky, I guess, for lack of words in the sense that you were, uh, mm. you, you haven't had much trial and tribulations? Well, I think I hit the timing pretty, pretty right in terms of this uh, ordination piece and being a priest in this particular time, in this particular age. Uh, of course, being in North Carolina, I, I, I could not be at that time an out priest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I was fairly closeted. Uh, Matthew and I were, were had to keep our relationship kind of under under wraps, although everybody kind of knew about it. And we went to dinner parties <laughs> together and everybody loved us. But we still couldn't really name it. We couldn't say um, we couldn't really claim. How claim was that it. within the relationship? Was that it's stressful? Yeah. I mean, I heard once that it's really hard to keep a secret. Mm-hmm. And it does. <laughs> it takes a lot of energy, a lot of energy to right. keep a secret. Um, and that's but it didn't sound we like doing. it was a secret. It just sounds like it was just the unspoken. Yeah, but still, that's right, that's right, having right, to guard. Right, you know, right. imagine having to keep the fact that you're a father right. under wraps. Like that would be really that it'd be really hard to do, right? You, <laughs> right. you have to t- deal with the pictures, right. your pronouns, all that kind of stuff. Right. So anyway, um, it was hard. It was stressful, and um, and that was ultimately one of the reasons why we uh, left and went to upstate New York because that was a you know the diocese of New York yeah. is a very welcoming and, and open community, um, and of course all of the churches changed so much uh, in that in, in this this time period. So we're in a very different place. Although there there are still pockets of conservatism even within the Episcopal Church, and um, so I, I yeah I met with a, a few obstacles. But you choose like your locations wisely. So I, we were in New York one day and. Um, uh, I, I walked into my house, and Matthew has a piece of paper in his hand, and he says, "Here, apply for this job." <laughs> and it was the the Bloomington, the Trinity Bloomington. Did he have any uh, connections to Bloomington? No, none of us did. None of us had ever lived off of the East Coast. And I thought, Indiana, Bloomington, Indiana. What what's that all about? <laughs> but they were into the arts. They were a progressive community. It was a college town. So I was like, sure, that sounds like right up my alley. Um, and so, uh, but of course, we thought, well, what, what's the Midwest going to be like in receiving right. a, an openly gay couple? But this uh, Trinity was so ready to to go down that road, and and as you said earlier, with this earlier conversation, to set a bar differently for for the church in um, uh, Southern Indiana, and the Episcopal Church here had already kind of gone down that road too with some really great leadership. Uh, so Trinity was kind of ready, ready to go there. So how do you address the congregation with you being gay? I mean, is it a non-issue? Is it a, a conversation? Like when you first, uh, I guess, arrived, yeah. you know, at that time and, you know, just kind of this is who I am. We accept you and we just moved on from there. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty open right from the beginning. Uh, <coughs> you know, the letter, our, our process is, again, very long and takes far it takes a lot longer than it needs to. But anyway, they, they told the congregation that we were coming. You know, Charlie and his partner Matthew were coming. So the cat was kind of out of out of the bag. Um, uh, when we got here, it was, it was a non-issue. Um, there were a few people who kind of came to me, you know, Charlie, I need to talk to you, and voiced their objection. Uh, there were a few people who... Um, well, there was one person in particular who wouldn't receive communion from me because in my church we have communion every Sunday. And there were two priests at the time. And so uh, this person would go to the other priest to receive communion. So that was a pretty clear. <laughs> right, just kind of switch lines. Yeah, pretty and... clear thing. But, you know, I was glad that the person showed up. Right. And I was glad that the person talked to me. And uh, in my opinion, that's part of the building bridges, bridges, which is why I think this earlier conversation is 
kind of kind of baffling that that the somebody doesn't want to kind of get in the same room and talk. I, I don't I don't believe in that. Um, but uh, you know. And I think, too, that people are curious. People are curious about me and curious about how I'm going to be. Mm. Am I going to be this huge flamer in the church? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Let's go see what that's about. Uh, no, but um, I, I think I'm a pretty pretty normal pretty normal gay guy. And I think Matthew's in my, my relationship is, um, I hope, uh, emblematic of, of any other healthy relationship with, with its regular marriage stuff right well we're going to take another music break we'll be right back so don't skip out on us and we'll have more conversation with father charlie Welcome back to Blooming Out. Let's pick up from where we left off with our special guest, Father Charlie Dupree. So do you, um, we had some, uh, you know, off-air conversations. Melanie, you had a couple of questions. Yeah, I'd I'd like to start off with, uh, there's a lot of uh, reticence uh, among churchgoers sometimes. How can the church be supportive or destructive of an individual's spiritual journey? I hear probably most commonly um, from the LGBTQ community that the church has been a real uh, damaging part of of my relationship, part of my identity. Uh, the church has been a zero help to me. They they say, um, and that just that breaks my heart. Um, and I I you know as you said in my bio, I, I believe firmly that um, my call is to, to shape a community and to shape a space where people feel lifted up and where people feel uh, like they can celebrate who they are and be the, the, the most full expression of, of, of who they are. Because I do believe that, that there's a lot of ways for us to be us these days. And um, that has just been unpacked in so many really beautiful, beautiful ways. And the church has to keep up with that. Um, I think it's the church has to do its homework. I think the church has to um, kind of reinvent its own narrative, and um, it has to to be ready to um, to 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 reflect and embrace that's as wide as God's embrace. So, where do you see the church? You know, what the church is doing good versus what the church can do better at. 
Oh, I think the church, uh, well, the Episcopal Church right now, for example, we just had our general convention. It was in Austin. We have it every three years. It's the place where we kind of say, this is what the Episcopal Church believes. This is what's important to us. And so um, a lot of the um, resolutions that came through had to do with the LGBTQ community. Uh, One uh, was reinforcing the fact that we're um, supportive and embracing and inclusive of the trans community. Um, Another one uh, had to do with marriage rights that are available for all people. Uh, We now have liturgies and and church services uh, for same gender blessings and and marriages. So there's available now for all people. Um, uh, We also uh, have a lot of resolutions around uh, gender equality and uh, pay parity. Um, so I, I think that's what the church needs to do. It needs to have these conversations and, and put these topics out on the table and, and look at them and then be prepared to act, even if it's acting slowly, even if it's moving slowly. Create some sort of process uh, by which you move forward um, so that we do move into this um, more open and, and affirming space. So I think that's what at least my particular denomination is doing. And I'm not saying that other denominations mm-hmm. aren't doing this, so I'm not trying to throw other people under the bus by any means. I just know what, what we're doing. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask about your book and what inspired it. What inspired my book? Uh, well, there was a point in time in my ministry where I felt like I was going to absolutely burn out and um, just hit a wall. Uh, I was given, I'm kind of a people pleaser. I'm a, (laughs) you know, I don't know if y'all are that way, but I really like to please people. And I'm a part of a congregation of some 200, 300 people. And that's a lot of people to make happy. And so I, I remember sitting there one day and thinking, God, I've given absolutely everything I can, and uh, I can't give anything else. And then I kind of heard God reflect back to me, I don't know that that's healthy. you know. So I had to do something to calm the heck down. And that's when I started the practice of meditation. This was about eight years ago. And um, the practice of meditation, some call it prayer, some call it centering prayer, But uh, for me, meditation is a a mental exercise, just like exercising is a physical exercise that trains your brain to focus so that it doesn't get swept away and taken away by every little thing that that enters it. Um, And so that's that's kind of what inspired my book, The Practice of Meditation, and how that changed my life, really. It changed the way I think. It changed my relationships. It changed my relationship with Matthew, with my community, with my job, uh, with my own, um, with with myself. So I went on a sabbatical, I guess it was three years ago, for three months, and I kind of vowed to write a story every every week, and so I did, and then they all had to do with kind of, you know, me hopefully um, not taking myself too seriously and recognizing that even as a priest, you you can fall down and you can screw up. So that must be hard. I mean, who do you turn to? I mean, mm. you know, you're supposed to be the rock. Yeah, I'm and supposed to be perfect. Right. Like <laughs> the police. Right. <laughs> True. So, um, and and then, you know, h- how do you, you know, I'm sure that um, that's not uncommon um, 
amongst a lot of the clergy. Yeah, and, yeah, and you've got it, it can lead to some um, some unhealthy practices, right? right? It can it can lead to addictive behavior. But when you're well, meditation calls us to look at ourselves honestly, and when we're doing that, we can hopefully laugh at ourselves and say, "Oh yeah, I did screw that up." But it's not permanent. That doesn't make me who I am. I'm not a screw up. I just screwed up. So is this something that you're working with other clergy about with? Um, or is this um, just kind of out there? It's, you know, whoever wants to start the discussion or... What about meditation? Meditation, the book. The book. Um, well, you can buy the books on Amazon. <laughs> I, we're not supposed to plug anything. Yeah, well, it's your book, so we can plug it. Anyway, you're, you're no, I want, I want more people to meditate. I, want, uh, I especially wrote this book for, clerg- <clears throat> for clergy and for any people in high-stress jobs uh, so that they can realize that it's something that they can do and, and it can change things for them. So it's religious-based or... I mean, Meditation. Well, you're well, it's, the book that you know. Well, it's it's stories by, about life. It's stories okay. about my life, and I just happen to be a, a priest. But it's also stories about growing up as a gay person on a farm, and it's stories about being gay with siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's 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 kind of all that. It's it's not too churchy. It's not too religious. Right. But it just has to do with with experiences and and uh, letting people know that it's okay to it's okay to mess up. Right. Um, the one thing, you know, that I always hear when I, when I talk to people and, you know, especially now, I think people are losing faith in religion and yeah. society for, you know, with just the, the, the behavior of our what's happening with our politics and, um, and, and, and the focus, you know, that always is on, on gay individuals. And with, you know, with what's going on with Trump and all his mistresses and, you know, congressmen and senators with all of their badness and sins. Um, and the focus always just comes back of the gay. Hmm. Um, how do you, you know, and, and I think that turns away so many gay individuals from wanting to maybe reach out and, you know, you're, you're shamed through the media, through family, through school, and constantly, and then to turn to a church, um, and sometimes the church will shame you. Mm -hmm. Um, So what's your perspective on that when you're talking to individuals about understanding themselves better and, you know, maybe finding God Mm -hmm. um, or a place that they can belong and and not feel like bad people? I think in many ways that the church and Christianity and that uh, language has been hijacked. It's been hijacked and it's being misused by people who have not done their homework. And uh, I, I think th- that my hope is that uh, churches will, will reclaim the narrative. And the narrative is love. The narrative is compassion. The narrative is gentleness. And at least the way I read the Bible, the way I understand Jesus, the way I understand God, is that um, uh, at least... Again, the way I see it is, is Jesus was what started a movement that tried to open up a new way of life for people who were being uh, kept down. And that if the church isn't about helping to lift people up, and if the church isn't about um, being supportive and, and creating spaces for justice and equality and p- peace and shalom, then it's, it's moving in the wrong direction. So... Um, I would encourage people not to base their um, opinions of, of all, all Christians and churches on what they see in the media and uh, talk to people like me. You know, go ahead and if you, if you have questions, call, call me up. I'm 
totally down with with having honest conversations and hearing you out. All right, and it was just so important mm-hmm. that I think just a lot of people just aren't felt heard, you know. And and I know personally, I've kind of lost my faith, and I've been, you know, a, a pretty focused and spiritual person. And I believe that I can disagree with your opinion, but I can't disagree right. with your experience. Right, and that's exactly what we were talking about. That's can you quickly plug um, where people can reach you? Reach me at uh, yeah. Trinity Episcopal Church, Bloomington, trinitybloomington.org. That's where you can find my contact And the name of your book again? Uh, Practicing in Practicing Perfection. Awesome. A Priest Journey Through Messing Up, Meditation, and Mindfulness. Something like that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Great. Well, we'll check it out. Um, we're out of time. And before we go, um, thank you so much, Father, for, for being here. We yeah, appreciate you, uh, you. you know, spending the, the evening with us and, and talking. Um, additional, I want to thank all of our listeners and volunteers who make this possible. We're out of time, but before we go, let's take a few. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Your name. You're <laughs> saying goodbye. I'm Melanie Davis. <laughs> <laughs> Blooming Out. I'm Grant Rollins. Blooming Out is produced by Frankie <laughs> Presslove. And our executive producer is WFHB News Director Wes Martin. Lucas Fisher is our engineer. Blooming Out Communities liaison is Alex Ashkin. And our trustee intern is Jasper uh, Tony for Blooming Out and WFI. Uh, I'm sorry, WFHB. Um, this is Frankie. You've been listening to Blooming Out on WFHB. Blooming Out is a product of WFHB's News and Public Affairs Department. Tune in every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. for Indiana's only LGBTQ plus news and public affairs program. You can hear this and other programs online at wfhb.org. Comments and suggestions for future topics or guests can be sent to bloomingout at wfhb.org. That is bloomingout at wfhb.org. And thank you for listening. <laughs>